today we're going to be uh, finishing up on our topic this month is when shall these things be? Amen. And I'm grateful for God's mercy. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for these things to be quick. Amen. I'm looking for something to happen soon. Amen. Our key uh, scripture was Matthew 24, starting at verse 3, and it says, and he sat upon the Mount of Olives. This was a, a private briefing that Jesus gave his disciples. It wasn't for everyone to hear. It was just for his disciples. It was just for the ones who were his inner circle. So today you're in his inner circle and you're going to get a a private briefing today. Amen. Because Jesus said in Matthew 13 when he was asked, why do you speak in parables? And he says, it's only for those who are in the kingdom. It's not for everyone. So today we get to, to get the private briefing that Jesus told his disciples. And our topic this, this week will be the mark of the beast. Amen. Revelation 13, verse 16 says, And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Amen. And over the ages there have been many, many speculations as to what that is, and, uh, you know, chips, barcodes, and all of that is part of the control that Satan is going to be having. I mean, most of the time now I, I don't carry any cash with me. Amen. Uh, and, and I just use that card thing, you know, that piece of plastic. And we can quite easily see the direction where things are eventually going, where they will, you know, not have money anymore, that they will use a, a cashless uh, transactions to, to, to substitute for money. But what that will also do is give so much control because they will know exactly every time you do a transaction with that card, it goes through a computer and it's recorded and it's stamped and it's categorized and they can tell you, Immediately, if somebody has used your card, right, I get a little notice if someone uses the card. So we're going to look at that today from a biblical perspective. Amen. And of course, the mark, this topic of the mark is not something new. The first mention, of course, about someone receiving a mark is in the Bible, in the, in the book of Genesis, where Cain received a mark. And this mark he received from God. Genesis 4.13, you know the story how he committed the first murder and killed his brother out of anger and jealousy. And God pronounced judgment on him. And in fact, though, you would think the judgment sounds very, very light. You know, he really deserved death, didn't he? But remember what the scripture says in in Romans. It says, even though there there was no law, Sin was not written down, but still men died. So God told him that he was going to be banished and that he was going to be sent out into the land of Nod and that he would, uh, he would be in fear of his life. And Cain asked for mercy. And, and the amazing thing was that God gave him mercy. Isn't that amazing? And the, the mercy that he gave him was a mark. God put a mark upon Cain. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive 
and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Amen. He was going to be a, a, a vagabond, a wanderer. He wasn't going to have a place of peace. He was going to be driven out from amongst his brethren. And here is the amazing part. And the Lord said in verse 15, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. God put a, a mark on Cain to stop him being killed. Isn't that amazing? Um, and we're going to look at that in great detail. Now, in the Bible, when it has the word mark, it, it's translated several different ways. Well, three principal ways that it's translated. You know, those of you who have been around farms, you know that uh, in the, out in the West where they have free range, where they don't have fences, each, um, each uh, cattle owner would put a mark, a stamp on his cattle because they're all mixed up. They, would, they wouldn't have any fences. That they would be allowed to, grange, to, sorry, to, to graze on, on government property for thousands of acres. So since it was free, they let their cattle just go on and, and do that. But they had to put a mark so when it was roundup time, they would know which... Uh, animals belong to them. And that is the principal meaning of the mark, to identify who you belong to. Who do you belong to? The second um, reason for a mark was as a sign. In the case of, of Cain, it was for a sign. Don't touch this man. Don't touch him. Don't speak to him. He's an outcast. So the second um, reason or, or meaning for a mark was as a sign. And then there is a third reason that is probably the most important for us. It's a seal. It's a seal. You know, when you, when you um, today when you go and buy any kind of liquid, uh, usually when you open the cap, that's not opening it yet. When you take off the, the cap, there's a seal that is there to keep and preserve and to show that that thing has been preserved, that it's not been tampered with. Many years ago, before um, you know, the world started to get crazy, they never, they never went to that step. You could just open the top and there was the milk. But you remember a few years ago, maybe 20, 25, maybe 30 years ago now, uh, they had a scare where people started to put, inject stuff into products on the shelves. Right? They used to open the, cap, the, the top and put stuff in there. And so they had to go to an extra step to show that this thing was untampered with, that it was preserved, and they started putting seals on everything, right? So when you open the top of the milk, you're still not at the milk yet. There's usually a silver seal. And everything, most things now are sealed so as to show um, what's going on, that it is preserved. And so those are the three principal um, meanings for the mark. One is as to identify whose it belongs to, Number two, it's as a sign to others, don't touch. And then secondly, when in the context of the Christian, the God's mark seals us and preserves us. Amen. Uh, that's what it says. And the Lord said unto whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. So it was a warning. It was a warning. When you um, go past some places, they have these signs up. Do not trespass. It's a warning. Public, this is not a public th through, uh, through, through way. Do not trespass. 
You will be prosecuted. See, they've put a mark to mark out their territory. Animals do the same thing. They mark out their territory so that any other animal comes and they sniff, they say, "Mm, I don't want to go in there because it is marked territory. So the mark is also as a warning sign. And the mark as a warning, when it's a warning, it always comes from God. When the mark is given as a warning, it is always given by God. So let's look at it. I wonder if the Bible gives us any clue as to what this mark looked like. Uh, you know, the, probably the easiest kind of thing that they ask you to do when, they, when you ask to do a mark is what? A check. A check, right? Um, people who many years ago who, couldn't, uh, who were not literate, when they were asked to sign something, that's what they were asked to do. Just put a, a check. When we look at the Hebrew language and you see that it is that it is um, it started from pictures all of the symbols in the hebrew language first started as pictures we see that as the archaeologists have studied they've been able to to trace the the evolution so to speak of the hebrew language all the way back to when it was a picture today that's the modern hebrew language for the last letter of the hebrew alphabet which is called a tav and it looks like a a uh, little door with a, a little hook at the bottom. And then going back further, they, they were able to find more ancient copies of writing. And then back uh, about 10,000 B.C., that's what it was. It was like a, a, a cross, a check mark. Amen. And going back further, it looked like a plus sign, like a cross. It's interesting. But we don't, the Bible doesn't explicitly tell us in that, in that chapter what the mark was. But we see that it's used throughout Scripture that God puts a mark on people who belong to him. And we are given explicitly what that mark was in the book of Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, there's a story that is told. Ezekiel has a vision, and he's seen Jerusalem as, as a backslidden city with people doing idol worship and doing all kinds of terrible things. And then in his vision, he sees Six men coming with swords drawn to execute judgment. Then he sees a seventh man. And this man has got an inkhorn. He's got a, a, a quill, a pen of some kind of marking instrument. And he's told to go and put a mark on those who are going to escape judgment. Because the Bible indicates to us that there's more than one kind of mark. There's a mark that is for the saved There's a mark for those who are going to escape the judgment. And in this case, we see this example. In Ezekiel chapter 9, verse 1, here is the story. He said, He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice, saying, Cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. There is coming, as I've been teaching, the wrath of God going to be poured out on this earth. And behold, six men came from the way of the higher gate, which lieth towards the north, and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen, with a writer's inkhorn by his side, and they went in and stood beside the brazen altar. Now that's, that's telling us something. Where did the judgment start? By the brazen altar. The Bible says that judgment must first start where? At the house of God. So you see this is in line with other scriptures that start to paint a picture. So, you know, the Bible says there will be a falling away. Judgment is first going to start in the house of God. 
They go and they stand by the brazen altar, which is in the temple, in the courtyard of the temple. It's the place where the sacrifice should be for sin. And that's where the judgment is going to start. I, in previous lessons, I showed you that it, that it was symbolic of the place of judgment. The brazen altar is where the sacrifice was put. It was the place where the fire was never to go out because it was a symbol of hell. That's where judgment starts, in hell. So the six men came from the way of the upper gate and they went all the way and they stood by the brazen altar. But then they were told to wait until the ones who were going to be saved had been marked. And one of them, clothed in white, went round and he started to mark. He started to mark. And he said unto me, walk through the streets of Jerusalem and put a mark on the forehead of all who weep and sigh because of the detestable sins being committed in the city. Then I heard the Lord say to the other men, follow him through the city and kill everyone whose forehead is not marked. Isn't this interesting? It's the opposite of the mark of the beast. This is a mark that you want. This is a seal that you need because if not, judgment is coming. Then I heard the Lord say to the other men, follow him through the city and kill everyone whose forehead is not marked. Show no mercy, have no pity. Now that sounds so harsh. But you have to know the backdrop of the story. They had killed all the priests. You know what these people were doing? They were offering babies as sacrifice. God was so angry. He was so upset. He said, kill everyone whose forehead is not marked. Show no mercy, have no pity. Our God is a merciful God. He is a loving God. But he's also a God of justice. He's also a God of anger when it is justified. And in this case, in the vision, the reason why this was so, because they had destroyed his temple. They had sacrificed um, unclean animals. They had worshipped fallen beings. They had sacrificed children in fire to their God, Molech. And he said, follow through the city and kill everyone whose forehead is not marked. There is a mark that is a good mark. There is a seal that as Christians we need. Show no mercy, have no pity. Now this is the chapter that reveals to us what the mark looked like. Because if you, in most older Bibles, if you have the King James Version, and you open this to this chapter, uh, they will actually have the Hebrew letter that was used for the mark, and it's the Tav. And the older versions of it look just like a, a door, like a, like a place that you would go in. It's the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And it is also the mark that was put to save the children of Israel at the Passover. Remember what they were told to do? To touch the blood on this side, this side, and this side. It was symbolic of the mark. It was the mark that delivered. It was the mark that saved everyone who was under the mark inside the, the house where the mark was, the destroying angel passed over. And he shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. In this case, you had to stay in the place that was marked because it was the mark that saved you from destruction if you were the firstborn. So we see that God was the one who first came up with this idea of the mark. 
wasn't Satan. Satan, in fact, is a copycat. He's a cheater. You know, he's trying to, to make a facsimile, a copy of what God did to identify his people. Amen. In fact, this continued even when they got into uh, the wilderness in the 40 years when they were traveling around and in, into the period of the patriarchs. But God gave them a mark. Let's look at that. There was a mark put on the high priest. It wasn't permanent, just as the Holy Spirit is, was not permanently dwelling. But there was something that they wore on their forehead to symbolize the mark. Exodus 28, 36. And thou shalt make a plate of pure gold and grave upon it like the engravings of a signet. That means they were to take up a, pure, a band of pure gold and they were to engrave on it holiness to the Lord. And where was the high priest to wear it? Right above his forehead. Every time he ministered before the people and before God, he had to have that symbolically a mark, that band of gold with that written upon it on his forehead. And you shall put on it, put it on a blue lace. And you all know because you've been taught what that means. Grace. Grace, God's mercy. God's favor. It wasn't that he deserved it, but the blue lace was put in between. He put the blue lace and he put the, the mitre with that band of gold that signified holiness to the Lord. And the Bible tells us where he was to put it. And he shall put it upon Aaron's forehead, that Aaron may, may bear the iniquity of the holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow or consecrate in all their gifts. And it shall be always... Upon his forehead. Why? Why did he have to have it? Scripture tells us. That he may be what? Accepted. It was the mark that allowed him to go in there as high priest. If he didn't have that band of gold which said holiness unto the Lord, he would not be accepted. He had to be dressed as God had commanded. He had to put on all the garments that had been, been given. Especially that band of gold where he had the blue lace and the markings on his forehead that said, Holiness to the Lord. And the Jews, we find, were commanded more than four times in Scripture about this mark. So they were told that they should bind it upon their forehead and then bind it upon their arms. Let's read it in Exodus 13.9. And it shall be a sign for you upon your hand, and for a memorial between your eyes. That the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand did the Lord bring you out of Egypt. So they were told that they were to put something on their forehead and something bound on their hand. And of course, the, the Jews call these today phylacteries. And what they would do, they would take a little box, tiny little box, and they would write a scroll with, with some of the words of the Torah in it. And then they would actually bind this box right here on their forehead. And sometimes they would bind it on their arm. They still do that today. Can you see the little box on his head? And you see the, 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 the thing that is bound on his arm? See, that was the mark that God told the Jews to identify them, that made them different, that made them peculiar. 
And it shall be for a sign upon your hand and for a memorial between your eyes that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. So what was in there was the word of the Lord. They took part of the word of the Lord, the Torah, the word, put it in the little box and they took it literally. They put it right on their forehead and they would wear that. Or on their arm bound. Do you see how the mark of the beast is trying to copy what, what God had given the Jews? Do you see that? Now, this scripture is not, this command is not in there one time. It's not in there two times. Let's see it again. Exodus thirteen sixteen, And it shall be for a sign. Now, when God says something this many times, you have to take note of it. And it shall be for a sign upon your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. For with a mighty hand did the Lord bring us forth out of Egypt. This mark is to bring you out. This seal is to deliver you. This, 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 this word of God is to take you out. Do you see that? This seal is a good seal. It's a good mark because this purpose is to bring deliverance. Deuteronomy 6, 8. It's repeated again. And you shall bind them as a sign upon your arm, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. And then it's in the Bible again. Four times in the Old Testament, God tells them that they have to be identified. They have to have the word of the Lord bound before their eyes and or bound upon their arms. Therefore, you shall lay these words of mine. Now the scripture tells us what it is that's in the box. You shall lay these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. And you shall bind them for a sign upon your arm. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. So the Jews took this literally, and that's what they, they do even to this day. Orthodox Jews, they, they have the little box with a scroll from the Torah, and they bind it around their head or on their arm. Now you begin to see that the mark of the beast is Satan trying to copy trying to copy what God had designated as a sign for his people. But of course, in the New Testament, it's not called a mark, it's called a seal, because not only does it identify us, but it preserves us. Remember what I said about a seal? It is to protect us, it is to keep us. Amen. So the mark in the New Testament we see clearly is a seal. And we find it that it's for deliverance. It has three purposes. It's for protection. And it's for salvation. Amen. Revelation 14.1 And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion and with him a hundred and forty and four thousand having his, father, having his father's name written where? In their foreheads. See, we're talking about the mark that is deliverance, the mark that is protection, the mark that represents salvation. It's the seal that saves. We see that again in Revelation. Revelation 7-2. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, and he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea. Remember now, remember what they had to do the night the destroying angel came? They had to put the mark on the lintel and on the door, then they had to stay in the house. This was all symbolic of what is going to happen. The real mark, the real destruction. And the angels said, hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have what? Sealed. 
It's speaking about the mark that is for us. The servants of our God in their foreheads. You absolutely do have to be sealed if you're going to escape the destruction that is coming upon this earth. Amen. It's a sign today to spirits. You know, that, that, that many years ago that they had that rapper guy, you can't touch this, what's his name? MC Hammer. Well, if you have the Holy Spirit, I want you to know you can't touch this. <laughs> it's a sign to spirits. It's a sign to spirits. <laughs> I don't know how many of you were here a few uh, Thursdays ago when that young lady was manifesting and and. Uh, obviously she was possessed, you know, and, uh, and then she started talking and telling me she made the mistake. I I told the spirit that I said, you made the mistake. You just told me the name. Now (laughs) I was talking back to her, but no things like that. Don't scare me because I'm sealed. It's a seal that protects That means nothing else can get in. Nothing else can get in. So you do not have to fear if you are sealed. Amen. See, in the Old Testament, we see that Elijah was around all kinds of demonic stuff going on, but he wasn't afraid. 1 Kings 18.26, And they took a bullock which was given him, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, Oh, Baal! Hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a God. Either he is talking or he is pursuing or he is on a journey or a preventure. He sleepeth and must be awake. Our God does not sleep or slumber. You see, occult stuff and demonic stuff has been going on ever since Satan rebelled. Verse 20, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets till the blood gushed out upon them. But you know, when you're protected, that is not going to do anything to you. So the mark is a, is a sign also to spirits. We can't touch him. We cannot touch her. We can try and uh, get other people around them to cause trouble, but we can't touch them. Jesus, God said to Satan, but you can't touch his life. You can't kill him. You can, you can make him sick. You can take his money. You can t- All that stuff is just earthly stuff anyway. All that stuff's going to perish. Even, even the fact that we get sick because we've got a new body. We talked about that last week. I've gone to prepare you a new body, a new place. Amen. So we see that this is this, the, the sealing of the spirit protects us. Leviticus 19.28 uh, makes that plain. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead nor print any marks upon you. I am the Lord. Now, if you have already done that and you come to Christ, it doesn't matter because you become a new creature. So the New Testament gives us the, the story of how the mark that was given in the Old Testament, literally they put the word of God in a box. But in the New Testament, we don't have to do that. I'm going to explain that. Ephesians 4.30, and again, it's interesting that more than once the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is the seal. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, what does it say? Whereby ye are sealed. 
I'd like you to read that with me. Let's say, whereby ye are sealed. Now, if you believe that, if you believe that, it means exactly what it said. You are sealed. Again, in Ephesians 1.13, it says, In whom ye also trusted, after that he heard the word of truth, and the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that he believed, ye were what? Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit seals us. It is the seal. It is God's uh, New Testament mark. Amen. Now, in the Old Testament, this thing about the seal was there how many times? Four times. Now I've read, read you two. Here comes another one. It's interesting how the Bible parallels. Second Corinthians 1.22 Who hath also, what does it say? Sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Amen. In fact, in the New Testament, the sealing is five times. Amen. Just to show you that that what God is doing. So the Spirit is the marking tool because it says who has sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. So all of this tells us that the mark of the beast cannot attach to us, cannot attack us, cannot be manifest in any way against us because we have already been sealed. If you fill up a gallon of milk till it's overflowing and you screw on the top, can you get any more in there? No, you can't because it's sealed. You have to, you'd have to first empty it. So as long as you're full of the Spirit, you can be full of the Spirit. The Bible tells us that in the New Testament, it says so-and-so was full of the Spirit. That's what I want to be. Not halfway, not three-quarters, not even 90%. I want to be full of the Spirit so that there is no room. No room. Let's say no room. See, if there's no room, you can't get anything in there. It's been full and sealed. You ever went to the shop and bought something, you go home and find out they didn't fill it up? <laughs> Man, they, don't you feel so cheated? Man, look at this. It's only three quarters full. You feel so cheated, it might only cost a dollar, but you almost want to go all the way back and say, here, look, look at this. Look at this. But the Bible says that God gives the Holy Spirit without measure. You're either filled or you're not. <laughs> you gotta, and you got to stir up the gift. That's the topic for the ladies' co- uh, conference. Stir up the gift. Don't let it be dormant. Amen. So God's seal is, is the Holy Spirit. The sealing tool is the Holy Spirit. Now in the Old Testament, literally, what, would, what did I say was in the box? The Word of God. That's what the Scripture said. The last Scripture said, put His words in their heart and on their forehead and on their arm. So in the New Testament, who is the word of God? Jesus. Isn't that awesome? So now the ceiling is when we put Jesus in our hearts, in our head, on our arms. How do we put him on our... It means everything we do. The Bible says in the New Testament, do all in word or deed, do all in the name of... That's right. Revelation told you... Don't hurt the, the, anything until we have sealed the servants of our God. Revelation 3.12 tells us what's going to be written. Him that overcometh, this is one of the churches, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of 
of heaven from my God and I will write upon him my new name. You see, in the, in the New Testament, it's revealed what is written. It's the name of Jesus. That's what's written. When we are baptized in his name, we're taking on that name. Amen. Now, we, we are told in the, New, in the New Testament, the book of Revelation, that there are some conditions that go along with receiving the mark. We're going to look at that a little bit more. Revelation 13, 70. Now, this is the, the no good mark. The good mark gives us some conditions too. The Bible says you can call upon his name and I will answer you. See, we get to have the benefits of the good mark. But the benefits of the negative mark are this, that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. It's not really one thing, it's three things. It's the mark or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Now, that's all very mysterious. We're going to look at that. But remember, we all know that all of this stuff is nothing but copies. Because we saw that God was the one who set up this thing in the Old Testament for his people to identify those who truly belong to him, to identify those who were his servants, to identify that you don't touch them. They're mine. Amen. Jesus said, I've lost none of them. I've lost none of them, save for the son of perdition that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When you're truly under God's protection, you don't have to worry. It shall come nigh thee, but you shall only see it. Psalms 91, right? A thousand at your left hand, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Amen. I'm telling you that when you are truly, truly submitted to God, when you are truly his child, you know, I just love the story that Chris illustrated about trust, about one of his children just suddenly, without asking him, just leapt off the the platform, just assuming, just assuming he's got to catch me. He's my dad. Didn't even ask. And of course he's going to catch. You know, that, that just shows you total faith and trust. When we trust God, We can speak and he will back us up. When we're aligned with his word and we're according to his will, we can declare some things. As I said Friday night, it's time for us to declare some things and stop asking for some things. Just declare it. Just say, this is what's going to happen. Amen. Declare some things. I told someone uh, last year that they wanted a job. I said, okay, I'm going to declare that you're going to get the job. And he did get the job. Uh, only sometimes now he has to work on a Sunday, but um, that, was the, that was the negative part of it. But we can declare some things because we have the seal of God. Amen. We have the word of God. So now the Bible tells us that these things are going to happen. The whole topic of this series is when shall these things be? Well, you can see everything start to uh, be prepared for um, a physical mark and some other spiritual marks. The world... People are going crazy. I, I personally almost believe, and I, this is going to be ahead of my lesson, I almost personally believe that uh, some of the, the demons are being let out. Uh, as you heard, there were two mass shootings yesterday. And, and they, weren't even like, they weren't even like for any good purpose, you know. Someone went to the neighbor who was shooting with his automatic rifle and ask, could, could, you, could you just not do it right now because we're trying to put the baby to sleep? That was all they said. 
That's all that he, they said. Then he just took his, his weapon, went in there, and just started shooting people. Killed five people, including children. Now, that is not rational. That is demonic. That, and now these mass shootings are happening almost every day. You understand what's happening? I do believe that we're on the cusp of, of the abyss being opened, and I'll get into that. We're on the cusp of things being revealed. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And really in the Greek it means a rebellion. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Amen. So, but there's preparation. Things are starting to heat up. It's only the Spirit of God that is holding some things back. Because everything is there right now ready to be released upon this earth. But it's God who is holding it back until the message can be preached to some other soul. That someone else can hear the truth. That some other person can come before God and repent. But we're very close. We're really very close. So now remember that everything the devil does is try to copy. He's trying to set up his own kingdom. He wants to be worshipped as God. And Everything the devil does is a copy. Just because God manifests in the Old Testament as the Father and in the New Testament as the Son and in the church as the Holy Spirit, Satan also wants to set up his own little threesome. 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And what does it say? These three are one. That's the verse that... uh, Tell that Jehovah's Witness. It says these three are one. Not three, not two, are one. So just as how Satan has these three things that he wants to do with the mark, right? The mark, the number of his name, or the name of the beast. God's mark is his seal. God's name and the number of his name are all related. It's a copy, Amen. And I'm going to probably on Tuesday night go into much more detail about the number of his name. Because God's name has a number too. Amen. Amen. But the important thing, it says that these three are one. Amen. God's mark, which is his seal, God's name, and the number of his name. So now in the New Testament, it's truly revealed what this mark is. Amen. If you've been following what I've been saying and what the scripture has been telling us, it starts to become clear. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I said, is the thing that does what? What does it do for us? Seals us. It's the thing that seals us. It's the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is the sealing, is the marking tool. Amen. So in the New Testament, the mark is revealed. In the Old Testament, What was inside the box was the... In the New Testament, what should be inside the box is Jesus, the Word of God. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, the Jehovah's Witnesses changed that to say, a God, but that's not what it says. He's not a God, he is the God. In Isaiah 45, he says, and besides me, is there no savior? There is no other God. My glory will I not give to another. No, he's not sharing anything. He's not sharing a single thing. 
When John saw his vision in Revelation, he said, one sat upon the throne. And even the lamb came from where? The middle of the throne. The one that was the lamb came from the middle of the throne. There wasn't two up there, but one. So the New Testament seal hasn't changed. It's the word of God. But now it's the word of God first incarnate in flesh and now inside of us. Jesus said, lo, I am with you in John 14, but now I'm going to be in you. Amen. We get to not only have the the word in our Bibles, but we get it in our hearts to seal us. So we no longer have to wear the box because that box is perishable. Amen. But we can have it in our hearts, in our, in our minds, in our souls. Amen. We can have it in our hands because the Bible says what, whatever is in your hand, right? So what we do is in Jesus' name. So let's look at that. The word was on their foreheads. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word was incarnate and made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten. Now that word in the Greek has a special meaning. It's primogenesis, and it means of one kind, meaning only there's no other kind like Jesus. It's, it's, It's unique, the unique and only son of the father, full of grace and truth. Therefore, the word was made flesh, and he dwelt with them. But then he said, I'm going to be in you. So we no longer have to wear the box. We have to be the box. We have to be the vessel. Amen? And so we are sealed, as the scripture said, with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that awesome? We're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now, what the Bible predicts in Revelation is there's coming a time when all those demons that have been locked up in hell, in the abyss, in the bottomless pit, are going to be released. And that's why, that's why the, the world is going to be such a terrible place. That's why it speaks about the day of Jacob's trouble, the time of Jacob's trouble being a time such as never was. Do you understand that the majority of demons are locked up? The vast majority of demons have, are not free It's only a few of them, relatively, that are on the earth that are free. Let's look at this. And the time they were locked up, and I'll have to teach on that on Tuesday night, was during the flood. In the book of Job, it reveals that to us. Let's read it. It says, dead things. And in the Hebrew, it's ra, which means spirits. Dead things are formed from where? Under the waters. What waters is it talking about? It's talking about the flood. When God destroyed all of the, the, the creatures that were in rebellion. It tells us that the dead things, the spirits were formed under. That's why demons don't like water. What does Jesus say? They go to where? Dry places. <laughs> they don't like water. No wonder he came up with baptism as a way for the remission of sins, for the washing away. Now, there's so many amazing things in scripture, but... Isaiah 26, 13 is certainly one of the most amazing scriptures. Now, let's, let's read it uh, with your understanding open. Listen to this. O Lord, our God, other lords besides thee have had dominion over us. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about the spirits. 
that were on earth before the flood, who had completely taken over and which precipitated the need for the flood. What does verse 14 says? They are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. And the key to tell you they're not human beings is the next part. What does it say? They shall not rise. Now Hebrews 9 tells us that it's appointed unto all men to die and to be what? Resurrected for judgment. But these things are not men because they were the fallen spirits. They are dead. They shall not live. They are deceased. They shall not rise. They're going to always be spirits. Therefore thou hast visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. This is so profound, I can't get into it today. We'll have to do it Tuesday. But what happened is, all of these beings that were destroyed under the flood have been locked up. They have been locked up in the place we call hell. But they're going to be released in spirit form. And you know what they're going to look for? Bodies. That's what they're looking for. Because they're not going to have any. They're not going to be resurrected with bodies. They're going to be spirits. They are not human. Jude 1.6 tells us this. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, in other words, disrobed, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of that great day. Now we're going to go into the New Testament and, and look at the story where the demons, now you say, well, if all the demons were locked up, all of the ones before the flood, how come they're still demons? Good question. Yes, because Satan did what he did before again. But Jesus, God decided this time he wasn't going to destroy everything with the flood. Remember, in Matthew 13, Jesus told these four parables, and one of them was, he said, a certain sower went and sowed what? Good seed. Good seed. Then someone else came and did what? Sowed weeds, not seed. And then they, 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 they said to him, shall we go and root them all up? And he said, nope, not this time. Let them grow together until the time of the end. So what happened is Satan repeated what he had done in Genesis 6 after the flood. But this time he did not have the freedom to, to, uh, to do as much. So there are still demons around, but not even close to the amount that are locked up. That's what Jude 1.6 tells us, that the rebellious angels that had caused all of this demonic activity, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness until the judgment of the great day. Now, we have an interesting story in the New Testament. It's the only one where Jesus asks the name of the demons. And that's why when I'm dealing with somebody who's possessed I want to know the name too because I want to call their name. I want to, I want to say, you demon, whatever your name is, you've got to get out of there. Amen. Let's read the story. Luke chapter 8 verse 6. And they sailed to the regions of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't torture me. This is a modern translation. What was he, what was he scared of? I'll tell you. We'll read it. 
For Jesus had commanded the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken the chain, his chains and had been driven by the demons into solitary places, into the desert. Jesus then asked him this question, what is your name? And he replied, Legion, because many demons had gone into him. Verse 31 is interesting. And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. They didn't want to be locked up where the rest of the demons were. They didn't want to be locked up. That's the clue. There are certain clues in the scripture that tells us so much about the mark of the beast. But in Revelation, we read that the abyss is going to be opened. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet. And I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. And the sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, it says locusts, or things looking like locusts, came down upon the earth. And they were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. And they were told not to harm, here we go again, the grass of the earth, or any plant of the tree, but only those people, what does it say? Who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. That's the key. Who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of a sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. They had a king over them, the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, Apollyon. And in fact, that name means destruction. Destruction. Remember, the destroying angel went over Egypt, but everyone who was in the house with the mark was saved. So we see that during the tribulation... Hell is going to be open to release all these demons. The man who was possessed with the legion, he thought Jesus was going to bind those demons to the abyss. They didn't want to go there. They wanted to have freedom still to roam the earth. You see, in the last days, what the scriptures is telling us is that demon possession and demon activity is going to skyrocket. Once this key comes down and is open... Possession and craziness on the earth is going to skyrocket. Is going to skyrocket. Revelation sixteen fourteen. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. God is going to allow this to happen so that the people who did not want the truth are going to be deceived. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Seduce, deceiving spirits, in other words. You can go on YouTube and you can find anything you want to believe. And people often do. They often do. A lot of people send me stuff and I just shake my head because I don't even know where to begin. They want to believe certain stuff and you can't tell them different. But the Bible says that people are going to be deceived. That's why you have to be so careful. So careful. You got to do like Paul said about the Bereans, right? In Acts 17, they went and checked. 
Everything that Paul said to them, he called them they were more noble because they went and checked everything that was said to see if it was so. Just because I say something, you don't believe me. You, you check the scripture, right? Because here's what's going to happen. Everybody is going to be calling themselves apostle. <laughs> Everybody is going to be calling themselves bishop. And very few people are going to call themselves servant. <laughs> Amen. That's what's going to happen. And everybody is going to be quoting scripture because Satan does that very well. But giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Now I'm coming to the, to the main course now. I'm coming to the, all of what I've said so far was to lay the table because Jesus is going to reveal to us truly what the mark of the beast is. He says, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through what? And I explained to you the reason why. Because originally that's how they were destroyed in the flood. They don't like water. And seeketh rest and findeth none because they are looking for bodies. That's why I said so many times I'm not afraid of disembodied spirits. I'm, I'm much more afraid when they get inside somebody. <laughs> then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. Now that also gives us some information that there are levels of different kinds of spirits. There are some that are more wicked than others. That tells us that there are different types of spirits and some are more violent, some are more hateful, some are more mean than others. And they enter in and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Now that would be interesting all by itself, but then Jesus gives us a revelation. Here's the revelation of what I've been telling you is going to happen during the tribulation. This is what Jesus says. Even so shall it also be, shall it be also unto this wicked generation. What he was talking about was not his generation. He's talking about us. What he is saying is demon possession is going to be on a scale that has never been seen since the flood. Remember what he said in his private briefing? As in the days of Noah, so shall it be to the coming of the Son of Man. What was happening in the days of Noah? There was whole-scale violence upon the earth. There was, there was so many things that I am not even going to mention it. That's what got God so angry that he had to send the flood. And he's giving us a hint here. He says that the demon possession is going to be on a scale never seen. This is why the tribulation is going to be so terrible because people won't even be in control of their own minds. As I cited that example yesterday, this man, all he was asked, please could you not be shooting right now because we're trying to put the baby to sleep. Then he went next door with his gun and killed five people, including children. You know, that is demonic. What you're seeing is beginning the start of things. This is just the beginning of... Jesus said in Matthew 2, this is the beginning of things. This is not a, a time to be left on earth to. Even so shall it be also into this wicked generation. Jesus was giving a clue as to what the true mark of the beast is. The true mark of the beast will be possession. See, the Holy Spirit seals us. The Holy Spirit marks us. So what would the counterfeit to that be? Possession. You get it? Possession. 
That's what it is. That's what the, the demoniac was identifying when he said, my name is Legion. He was giving the clue and the number to the mark of the beast. So the mark of the beast, which you probably, if you haven't been to this church, you probably never heard anyone else say that, but it is possession. Here is the clue. Let's go back to the story when he met that man. And he cried with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? See, he knew who he was. <laughs> Son of the most high God. I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. He, was, he thought he was going to get sent into the hell, pits of hell. For he said, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. He asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion. Now that wasn't just some happenstance. He was giving a clue to possession. And the way you find out is to ask yourself, how many demons was in there then? His name was Legion. Well, a legion was 6,000. And we know that because we have, this is a, a book that was written by a Roman historian. And it says the Romans have their legions usually 6,000 strong. So he was giving a hint as to the nature of his possession. And in this book, when you start to read how the Roman legion was organized, it was broken down into 10 groups. So they took the 6,000 which is the, today would be called a, a division, and they broke it into 10 cohorts of 600 men each. Then they broke those 600 cohorts by six to form a, a centurion band of 100. So what he was saying, 6,606. So 6,000 men divided into 10 cohorts of 600 men each, each cohort divided into six centuries of a hundred men, each century led by a centurion. In other words, he was identifying what he was. My name is Legion. The mark of possession. You see, we have to be sealed with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that an empty house is going to be filled. You're either going to be filled with the Holy Spirit or during this time you're going to be possessed. He causeth all, both small and great, bond or free, rich or poor, to receive the mark. Right? To receive the mark. So people who are messing around with the occult are saying, hey, I'm empty, come get me. <laughs> people who are playing with addiction, playing with alcohol, what they're doing is advertising signs. Come get me. See, yesterday they said that that man had been drinking. They said he had been drinking. So then the, the reporter asked the question, well then how was he then able to aim and shoot at six people? Because he did it surgically. He hit everybody straight in the head. Now that's strange that he could be inebriated and yet hit everybody he shot at in the head. Well, it's not strange if you understand that he was probably possessed. Demonic. The mark of possession. Amen. So, what? when will these things be? Let's get back to, we're almost going to close this, this session. When will these things be? What is stopping this? Second, Corinthians, Second Thessalonians 1, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy or report or letter supposed to have come from us. It's going to be a lot of fakes going around. 
saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you. Repeatedly, we're told so many times, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Stick with the word. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs. Now, that's very deep. Maybe on a Tuesday night, I'll go into that. The man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things and now you know what is holding back so that he may reveal at the proper time. It's God's power that is holding this back, that is stopping the floodgates of possession. But the one who now holds back will continue to do so till he be taken out of the way. It's only a matter of time when God withdraws his, his um, restraining force to allow these things to happen. Because as I taught last week, the earth is supposed to become a prison. But he's going to take us up out. Just as he delivered them, just as he delivered them out of Egypt. Now, the timing of it is interesting. That plague that killed the firstborn was the same night that they left Egypt. What I'm trying to tell you, there may not be a big window before the thing is revealed and we leave. We may just get to see who it is and then we're out of here. Might be able to say, okay, that's who it is. And then the the Bible says with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. We're looking to be out of this place. Because this is going to turn into a prison. So we receive God's seal by the Spirit. Just before he left after the resurrection, he gathered his disciples in John 20, 20, 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. <sighs> Receive ye the Holy Ghost. See, the point I'm making here is, if the mark of the beast was just a barcode or just a chip, uh, they could make you take that. If that was it and they made you take that, that means you would be doomed. But they can't make you be possessed. You have to receive that. Aren't you glad they can't make you be possessed? Now, if ten men hold you down, they can stamp a barcode on you. But thank God, that is not the mark of the beast. (laughs) They can make you swallow some chips, but that is still not the mark of the beast. But they cannot make you be possessed. You have to receive it. See, that's the same thing when we receive. We have to receive it. Receive ye the Holy Ghost. You have to want this thing for it to come into you. You have to do things to, to receive the demonic powers. You have to, to be, be either deny God, deny truth, be, be uh, under the power of some other influence. You have to receive it. Those that receive the mark. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive. See, I'm not receiving it. I can't receive it. My container is already full. There ain't no room for anything else. I've been sealed. If you've got the spirit, you have been sealed. You know, now, just to prove to you, and we're almost finished. Remember, in the vision, he said all kinds of locusts and stuff and scorpions came out. How do I know that that's really demons? Well, let's go to the scripture. Jesus had sent out his disciples and given them authority Over what? Demons and things like that. And they came back all happy. All rejoicing. 
And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from him. Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all power of the enemy. So figuratively, Jesus identified what those things were in Revelation. He said, I give you power over them, serpents and scorpions, and over all power of the enemy. And nothing, let's say nothing. Do you believe that? That's why you can pray for people who are possessed. Nothing. Now, wait a minute. You can only do that if you're filled. (laughs) Don't do that if you're not filled. Don't go doing that if you're not filled. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. But he was also saying, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your name is written in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Thou hast hid these things. What I'm telling you today has been hidden from a lot of people. From the wise and the prudent, and thou hast revealed them unto babes, even so farther, for so it seemed good in thy sight. You know, the, the world thinks this is foolishness and stupid and a waste of time to come in here on a Sunday. You could be sleeping, you could be relaxing. To the world it is foolishness, but it, God has taken the foolishness of preaching to save. Hallelujah. To save. You could stand with me. Hallelujah. So the timing is very soon. And now you know what's going to happen. And we can see it every day. Demonic power is growing. But don't be afraid. Because the Bible says, hurt not the trees, the earth, or grass, or anything, until we have sealed. Not the apostles, not the doctors, not the the servants. The servants, the servants of our Lord. If you are a servant and you've been sealed, thank you, Jesus. You can rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have been commissioned to tell others. This is selfish of us to know this and not want others to to be saved, to escape, to know this truth, that they don't have to go through this time that, that is coming upon the earth and shortly will be revealed. But we are commissioned to tell others to be a servant, to take this truth and say, listen, God loves you. God can save you. You don't have to, to go through this. You can be delivered. You can be healed. Depression can be bound. Fear can be bound. Because we have been called, hallelujah, and chosen. And we are the elect. Amen. We're closing this Bible study today, but I just want to encourage you as we close out this month's theme, when shall these things be? Very soon. I don't know if it'll be this year, next year, or when, but I know it's very soon. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says that it's going to happen. As day follows night, it says heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. Hallelujah. There is coming a time when the, 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 the cry will go out, behold, The bridegroom cometh. Hallelujah. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Let it edify. Let it encourage. Let it give us a zeal and a passion, Lord God, to make sure that our vessel is full, that we have bound you tightly to our forehead in our hearts, Lord Jesus, that your name is upon us, Lord God. Lord, we thank you. We claim the victory over Satan and his devices. We shall not fear, even if we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Hallelujah. Because thou art with us. Hallelujah. We lift up your name, your greatness and your love, Lord God. We ask, Lord God, 
for our second service that your power, Lord God, and your spirit will have liberty to move, to touch, to lift up, to deliver. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering as we close. Amen.